When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is part two of our discussion on the cash bail system in America. I am your host, Ramses Ja. And today on Our Daily Story, our guest is Chris Jenkins, the producer of the YouTube original documentary, Trapped, Cash Bail in America. In this conversation, we'll be discussing the ways that disproportionately high bail costs impact black families and black communities. We get some insight into the effects that some cities have had upon eliminating the cash bail system. And we learn about some organizations that are helping to reform and address these issues, as well as how we can support them. Chris Jenkins is with us today on Our Daily Story, the producer of the YouTube original documentary, Trapped Cash Bail in America. Um, you mentioned earlier, once a person posts bail, they're able to you know, get out and fight their case from a position of power and maintain their life, lifestyle. Um, what are some of the ways that disproportionately high bail costs impact Black families and Black communities, perhaps folks that cannot afford those bail sure. amounts? Sure. So let's just go back to William for a second, who we talked okay. about earlier. Um, and he is, you know, one of the main characters in our film. So when he was arrested in 2009, um, he was 30 years old, well, just, just had just turned 30, um, was about to go back to get his bachelor's degree hmm. um, and was, had just become a father. Uh, and he goes away for 11 months. Um, and so what does that mean? <laughs> that mm -hmm. means a baby without a father, you know, for a year. That means a young man trying to better himself, um, getting his, getting interrupted, uh, his education getting interrupted and, uh, losing his job after, because when you're in jail, you can't work. Right. Sure. And so he loses his job. Right. So let's just think about that. So not only does it impact, William as is present, not able to work. Not only does it affect his future, being able to go to school to better himself, and not only does it, it, it always it just it always impacts his child, right? In this case, right, right. because a child without a father. Um, so let's just ex exponentially, you know, blow that up to the millions of arrests, the hundreds of thousands of people who are in jail every day, and what's happening to them in their lives. Right. right. And so um, so when we talk about disproportionately impacting black and brown communities. That's what's happened to black and brown communities. Right. Kids going into foster care if they don't have, you know, a loved one, a grandmother or an aunt um, to uh, take care of the children while they are uh, in, while these folks are fighting their cases in jail. Um, you know, loss of of income um, from from not being able to work. Uh, very often losing their housing. If they have mortgage or rent papers, they can't pay, losing that. Just think about the disruption that's going on in people's lives, you know, because of this, you know, for very, very small bail amounts, very often. 
Um, you know, I know the, you know, the folks who oppose the reform that's going on, they'll make a big deal out of, um, you know, folks who have committed more serious crimes. And that's a different question. Um, most people in this country um, are arrested um, and come before a judge for misdemeanors and low-level felonies, simple and plain. Um, and the reason why um, there are so many people in jail right now largely is because of this issue of cash bail. You know, the jail population, you read some statistics earlier, Rams, this is the beginning of, your, of our conversation about how many people are in jail right now. Well, that is almost 100 times more than were in jail 30 years ago. Sure. And the main driver of why this, uh, this, this jail increase has happened is because of people being unable to pay their bail amounts. Just think about that. Yeah. These people, the, the, so 30 years ago, half the people that we have in Mount Ernst jail were, were in, in jail for you know, generally the same stuff, right? No, what's happened is <laughs> we have changed the rules and changed the goalposts so that now people who can't afford the bill are, are languishing in jail, increasing our jail numbers. So when we think about, you know, sort of the impacts on black and brown communities and the sheer numbers of people that we're talking about, this is the impact on black and brown communities and what's happening to them and what's happening to our communities. And I know for, and your listeners all know of people that's happened to. Um, and so, again, part of what we try to explore is, you know, why, you know, what are, what's really at stake here for you know, our communities in these situations, you know, and we know about the over-policing that goes on in our communities. We know that more people are coming, more black and brown people are coming in front of judges because they're getting arrested because they're being over-policed. So sure. all these things are, all these things are come in tandem, right? Um, the reason why there are so many people in jail or in prison now, you know, is largely because so many people do plead guilty to crimes that they may or may not have committed, but they never had a chance to fight their cases from a position of strength because they're in jail, not paying, not able to pay their bails. All these things from the front to the back are all connected in one way or another to the issues of our cash bail system. I think that that's uh, another interesting point you make that uh, folks may, and I got this from, you know, watching the film, which I recommend everyone watch. Um, but some folks will actually take a plea just to get out because they can't afford bail, which earns them a, a strike on their criminal record or however you phrase that. And, you know, moving forward, that's something that affects their life, perhaps the trajectory of their life and what opportunities they can take advantage of just so that they can get out of jail and perhaps, you know, rejoin their current lifestyle. So, so so Brianna, uh, the other main character um, in our film, uh, is a, was a 24-year-old uh, young white woman, um, two kids, uh, first-time offender who was jailed outside of Kansas City. And uh, she was in jail, unable to pay her bail, um, and languished for five to six months. Um, while she was, you know, going back and forth um, with the during the criminal proceedings, um, she wound up pleading uh, to a. And so her, her alleged crime was um, essentially identity theft. Um, she was caught with someone's um, driver's license, um, and so they 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 um, arrested her uh, for identity theft. She was in jail for five months waiting for, um, you know, her court, to, her court um, proceedings to go through, wound up, plead, wound up pleading to time served. 
So it was her crime was was it was bumped down to a class D misdemeanor, which if she had initially uh, decided to plead guilty to would have gotten her three months. She wound up serving, you know, being in jail, waiting for a case to, fo- to finish for six months. So the punishment that she wound up pleading to was less than the actual time she was waiting in jail. I mean, so think about that. So, so when we're when we're talking about you know a lot of these crimes that are alleged crimes that are in the in the realm of misdemeanors, low level felonies, these are not long sentences. And if you choose to fight your case from a position of strength, but you can't bail yourself out, you will be in jail, and very often and, and likely may be, uh, you know, in jail fighting your case longer than the actual sentence of the of the crime that you allegedly committed. Wow. So. Again, think about the perversion that's in our that is just endemic in our system. Um, sure. And in and in her case, you know, very often these are crimes of poverty. Uh, these are crimes where people are you know are you know writing bad checks and you know shoplifting. Um, I could tell we could sit here, uh, Ramses, and talk for hours uh, about the um, the folks that I spoke to in our country's jails. You know, folks who are in jail for five, six, seven months um, for passing a bad check. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, shoplifting, um, and sometimes there's substance abuse, involved, substance abuse involved. Sometimes folks are trying to, you know, perhaps the wrong way, but are desperate um, to put food on their table, um, to pay their rent. Um, all the things that we know uh, happen in this country um, on a daily basis, and how our nation continues to criminalize these folks through our uh, unconstitutional bail system. Okay, so. There's an argument that suggests that bail money incentivizes police to make arrests, which has, of course, harmful implications in black and brown communities. Uh, This argument and others like it have pushed California, D.C., New Jersey, and even Harris County, Texas, to effectively eliminate the cash bail system we're talking about today. How have these decisions affected those places, pretrial populations? Mm-hmm. So California is a, a difficult case to uh, use as an example right now because they, you know, they had a, a referendum that um, that eliminated cash bail, but that was overturned by. Um, uh, excuse me, there was a law that had uh, eliminated cash bail in California, um, mm-hmm. and there was a referendum that overturned that law. So California is still going through, um, you know, trying to figure out the right way of dealing with bail reform. But let's just take New Jersey. Because okay. you mentioned New Jersey earlier. And let's also take DC. Let's start with New Jersey. New Jersey um, essentially eliminated cash bail for certain low-level felonies and misdemeanors. Um, and you know, there was all this talk about how crime was going to increase, um, you know, how, you know, again, the soft on crime um uh excuse, you know, by the police unions and correctional unions and that sort of thing. There has been nothing of the sort. Uh, there's not been, you know, so during when uh, New Jersey eliminated cash bail uh, for certain uh, crimes, I think that was in 2015 or 16, um, the issue, the crime did not increase. There's been obviously over, uh, other issues around crime since the pandemic, which is a separate issue. But in the first two or three years after uh, New Jersey uh, eliminated cash bail for certain uh, con- certain crimes, uh, there was no increase uh, in uh, criminal activity around the city. And even in some of the quote unquote high crime areas like Newark uh, or Trenton. Um, and so uh, there is a canard that has been used, particularly in New York, 
um, is trying to associate ca cash bail reform with um, with increases in crime. And even the police acknowledge that some of the statistics they've used um, have not been accurate in how they, you know, sort of, you know, try to you know, try to show a correlation between the two. Um, but just speaking to your question, um, you know, we've seen uh, Durham, North Carolina, We've seen the state of Illinois, which is going through uh, cash bill reform right now, where they've eliminated cash bill for all crimes, which will take effect in January 2023. Okay. We've seen Harris County. Uh, we've we've seen other places around the country that are trying to bring some um, humanity to the system, not see the kinds of upticks immediately after they eliminate cash bail for depending upon what they, uh, you know, what the various different strictures are. And so each, you know, reform law has been different in a lot of different places. Uh, but one thing to also think about is, and this never comes into the conversation, I find it interesting, uh, about the people who we hear about who you know, are in jail for the uh, low felonies or uh, misdemeanors who actually die in jail, right? Um, you know, the, the folks who, you know, we hear about, you know, oh, it's going to increase crime, that sort of thing. Well, well, let's also look at the other side um, of how the cash bail system, keeping people in jail who normally wouldn't be there and what happens to them at, at very often in some of our nation's jails. One of the things that I think people have forgotten about with the tragic Sandra Bland case, you know, from several years ago, is that Sandra was arrested on that traffic stop, um, taken to jail, and she couldn't afford her bail. Now, that's why she was in jail. And she eventually hung herself, as we know. Now, we know about the injustice of the traffic stop. We know about the tragedy of her death. Very often what is forgotten in the middle there is that she was in on a cash, essentially unable to get out because she didn't have the amount of money needed to, to, to bail herself out. Right. Um, and so, you know, you know, so as we have these conversations, and I encourage your listeners to be very skeptical um, of the fear mongering that goes on from the right in particular about uh, what happens if you have bail reform is look closely at not only whether the statistics actually match up, but also look at the other side of things, which is, you know, dozens of people every year in Harris County actually dying uh, in jail when they don't know have to be there, you know, and the hundreds of people around the country where that actually happens to. Sure. So, you know, we talked about, you know, loss of job, loss of you know, housing, kids, that sort of thing, you know, education in William's case. It's also think about loss of life also when people are in jail and um, they can't pay their bills. Absolutely. Very good. My guest today is Chris Jenkins, the producer of the YouTube original documentary, Trapped, Cash Bail in America. Now, you mentioned that... Uh, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. There is an opposition or rather a, a push to keep the current cash bail system in place. And you mentioned that that opposition sometimes suggests that anyone who opposes the current system is trying to be soft on crime. What would you say to folks who support the current cash bail system who suggest that any opposition to the way things are right now is effectively being soft on crime? You know, a couple of ways of thinking about this. Um, I'm going to start with something that I haven't actually talked all that more publicly about, but I just want to uh, bring it out to your listeners for consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you hear about this whole issue of increased crime because people are being let out of jail, you know, either on released on their own recognizance or we less on, on less high bails. But no one ever makes that complaint when bail bondsmen bail people out and mm-hmm. um, and are be are making money off of that bail. But if that person goes out and commits a crime, no one, no police officers, no correctional institution says we need to get rid of bail bondsmen who are letting people out. We never hear that. Sure. We only hear that when reformers are talking about not allowing a, a, a commercial entity for making money off right. of people. That's so let's just, I just want to throw that out there just, just to see what, what, who's arguing what when is really important in, in talking about this issue of bail reform. Because, first of all, a lot of people don't even understand bail. And part of why we made this film is because we wanted people just to understand what it actually means. So... You know, there's a lot of confusion. That's a lot of technology and bamboozling that's going on in terms of pointing the finger at who, when, where, and why. And no one ever points the finger at bail bondsmen when they release people and someone commits a crime while they're out on bail that a bail bondsman helped that person get. So never been a call to eliminate the bail bond system. So let's just think about that for a second. Um, Secondly, look, um, no one wants to be... um, the victim of crime. No one. Um, and I, you know, I am, you know, I grew up in New York in the eighties, you know, I've, I've, you know, been run up on, you know, the whole thing. It's incredibly scary. Um, but we have the system that we have for a reason. We have, like you mentioned at the beginning of of, um, our conversation, you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, we have a system where, um, we allow certain folks to leave jail if they have money. You know, we don't allow people out if they don't have money. So again, the person who has money and is able to bail themselves out, they may be just as dangerous, quote unquote, you know, or have the potential of committing another crime, just like somebody who didn't have the money. So we always turn our lens in the wrong place in this country when it comes to these sorts of things. Sure. Right. Um, you know, there are crimes that are being committed by people who um, have paid their bail amounts and doing these sorts of things. And no one ever really actually says anything. Oh, well, he paid his money. So that's just, you know, he's a bad person. But our system can't be broken because he paid his money back to money. We are so focused on money, you know, and distinctions of money and who can pay and who can't that we've lost all scale about the arguments around increases in crime and why it happens and that sort of thing. You know, there are social scientists who are way smarter than me, you know, have made, you know, credible cases that when you allow people 
to uh, get out of jail uh, to fight their case at lower that you know at fair bail at bail amounts or at um, not you know act, ask, being able to let them go on their own recognizance, which means just you know a promise to come back. They actually that ultimately those folks will actually not engage in further crime because they are out of jail. They are not desperate. Uh, they are able to continue with their lives. And so, you know, there, there are many, many ways of looking at this. Um, and I would just encourage uh, your listeners, whenever they hear that bail reform somehow means increase in crime, um, to just really take a hard look about who's talking, who's saying it. Because very often it's the American Bail Coalition uh, who made an appearance in our film um, who is stoking these flames to politicians finding one or two cases um, of people who are committing crimes, maybe when they've been let go, but not taking a, a second look at the folks who have been released on, by bail bondsmen or people who pay their bails and only targeting people who, who may have you know, been out on a lower uh, charge because of bail reform. They're only looking at one part of the, of the equation here. Yeah. And so we need to be very, very careful as you know, we have seen bail reform efforts really take hold in places around the country. You know there's always a backlash. And a lot of times that backlash is going to be full of technology. It's going to be full of false assumptions. It's going to be targeted on one community. And we have to be careful about those kinds of false equations that we present in front of the, the public. Very good. Well, um, fortunately, there are some organizations um, that are trying to change things. So what are let's talk about that. What are some of the organizations helping to reform or address these issues? And I think a better question would be, how can we support them if this is something that we want to see? So um, bail is a really complicated issue as we talked about, and it makes it even more complicated is that it's really a locally run issue or a state, you know, or bail laws are set by at the state level. Right. And so, you know, we hear a lot about criminal justice reform at the national level, and there really isn't a um, an effective way uh, necessarily of uh, eliminating cash bail um, on a national level at the, at, you know, at the senator or the congressional level. So all these fights are being waged at the local level. You know, you heard me talk about New York. We've talked about Illinois, California, Durham, North Carolina, New Jersey, um, Atlanta. Um, and so there are organizations that are trying to basically wage hand-to-hand -hand combat in you know, localities around the country, uh, trying to get bail laws changed um, or to go to the state level and have bail laws changed at, at the legislative level you know, in state capitals. And some of those organizations are some of the ones that are featured in our film, uh, Southerners on New Ground, run by an incredible uh, activist named Mary Hooks. Um, who is trying to bring um, some activist energy uh, to uh, bail issues all around the South, where some of the, as you can imagine, bail issues are some of the worst, you know, in rural counties around the, around the South. And so she's trying to bring um, some activism by changing laws. And she's done some great job. She did a great job in Atlanta uh, five years ago and trying to get uh, the bail laws changed there successfully, but she's going on around the around the South, um, going to state the state legislatures and to uh, city councils and county governments to have um, uh, bail laws uh, changed there. Um, there are organizations that are challenging um, bail on a constitutional level, so they try to do it through the courts. 
So one of the, um, you know, I think the real heroes of our film is a guy named Alec Caracatansis, who has run an organization called Civil Rights Corps based in Washington, D.C., um, that is doing some of the work of challenging bail at a constitutional level. So, so challenging uh, to go into federal court, district court and appellate courts to say that the practice of, of using cash bail is unconstitutional because it violates the 14th Amendment of due process. We talked about that a little earlier. Uh, and so those are structural changes that, you know, on people on the ground are trying to do in terms of changing the laws. Um, in a more immediate sense, there are organizations that are, in the meantime, trying to get people out of jail by paying their bills for them. They're called uh, revolving bail funds. Um, and Southerners on New Ground does a, does a little bit of that. The organization I mentioned earlier in Georgia, there's a national network um, called The Bail Project, which has, um, I think by now, two or three dozen um, chapters around the country where they raise money. Uh, to bail people out. And once the, those folks are done with their cases, the money goes back to them. That's what they call the revolving bail fund so that that money comes back to them after those folks have um, completed their cases and they get their bail amounts back. That money goes back to the organization. And so uh, we feature one of those organizations in Philadelphia um, who uh, participates in a Mama's Day, Day bailout, uh, bailing out Black mothers uh, in Philadelphia and other places around the country um, for Mother's Day so they can be back with their families. Um, and, you know, what we found in that situation of the 16 that were uh, bailed out in Philadelphia in 2018, nine of their cases were dismissed. You know, if it had not been for that organization, those mothers would have been languishing in jail for weeks and months um, and then had their cases dismissed. Um, and so this is what we're talking about here in terms of some of the disruption that's going on around the country. And quite honestly, I mean, the bail project is basically doing what bail bonds men are doing, except not charging people. <laughs> um, and so and the bail project has found that 95 of the people, 95 percent of the people who they bail out, you know, come back to court, finish their business and go on with their lives. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's some of the activism that's going on as well. Um, and I think there's just, you know, a a raising of the consciousness um, of for, for our folk, I think, in particular, because I think our folk have been doing this for a long time, bailing folks out and that sort of thing. You know, you know, some of our communities had bail funds, you know, bailing out, you know, sons and daughters for generations. But there is a raising, a raising of the consciousness, I think, um, of um, our folk and, you know, and people of goodwill who understand that there's something not right here um, about um, how we are dealing with uh, folks who are in these vulnerable positions. And I just want, you know, I just want to, to remind people, um, just think about the numbers. You know, over 30 years, there's been an increase, a hundred percent increase in our jail, um, our jail numbers. Um, and it's mainly because of cash bail. It's mainly because people cannot afford their bail amounts. Just think about that. Like, so is there a change in society on the outside or is there a change in the way in which we are actually dealing with these issues and the goalposts are moving for folk uh, when they're in these positions of vulnerability um, and at the, at the whim of the criminal justice system? Very good. Now, I, I, I don't want to gloss over this because I think it's important, especially having such an insightful conversation uh, about a subject that many people don't interact with on a daily basis. How can we contribute in a meaningful way to helping shape 
outcomes around culpability rather than wealth in our communities? What are some meaningful contributions or ways that we can help as listeners of today's conversation? Well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, all this stuff is connected. Mm-hmm. All of it's connected. I mean, as it relates to bail, um, it, it does, um, first of all, it's educating ourselves, you know, about um, what's really going on, you know, and having meaningful, uh, open-minded conversation um, with folk about what's really going on. Um, it's contributing, um, I think, you know, I think because of our film is a, a, a better awareness of these revolving bail funds, you know, folks contributing to bail funds and, or doing their own. Mm-hmm. Um, folks out, particularly, you know, who are who have been accused of crimes of property, that sort of thing, or, or crimes of wealth. Um, I think, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, though, like the reason why there are so many black folks in front of judges, judges because there are so many black folks getting arrested. Um, and I'm sure you saw this case in New Jersey of the two a white boy and a black 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 kid uh, fighting in a mall. And, uh, you know, the police officer, you know, hems up the black kid and the white kid's just sitting there, you know, and, you know, the black kid's roughed up and the white. I mean, so we we know this happens every day at every single level of the criminal justice system. So it's connecting the dots, you know, and just thinking about like everything in this country, follow the money. You know, we spend 13, 14 billion dollars every year in incarcerating people in jail before they've gone to trial. $14 billion we spend on pretrial detention. Meaning these aren't folks who have been convicted of a crime yet. These are people who are in jail only because they can't pay their bills for the most part. 75% of them are people that can't pay their, pay their bills, not, you know, not violent criminals or anything like that, but low level, you know, nonviolent offenders. $14 billion. I mean, think about the money that can be, how that money can be used for, you know, supporting folks in communities as opposed to jailing them only because they ain't got money to pay. Wow. Well said. Well said. Well, um, this has been uh, an incredibly insightful conversation. You are very much an inspiring person. Um, Let's let folks know how we can keep up with you and some of your current and future projects. Are you on social media at all? Anything? I am on social media. Uh, underscore Chris L. Jenkins underscore on Instagram. Uh, not much of a Twitter user, but you know, at by Chris L. Jenkins. So at by Chris C H R I S L J E N K I N S is my Twitter handle. Handle. Um, you know, in the theme of trying to bring some, you know, it's some light to subjects that uh, go. Um, underreported or underappreciated. I'm working on a five-part series right now um, about residential housing segregation in the Chicago, the history of it. Um, so the basis of our wealth gap so much is because of the policies of the 20th century, um, keeping Black folks from gaining wealth through property and, and home investment, real estate. Um, that was designed um, by the cities around the country, but you know, really what the formation of that was Chicago, Illinois. Um, who really designed a you know incredibly um, elaborate system of keeping black folks um, from um, either being able to buy into the suburbs or you know, kept them hemmed up in you know our communities? Um, so many you know real heroes tried to fight that system in the 30s and 40s. So we want to bring uh, some light uh, to uh, really what is at the heart of our racial wealth gap, um, and it starts with 
um, real estate um, and black folks being hemmed out of real estate during the middle of the 20th century. And so we're taking a look at that. Um, and you've know, got a couple of coverage can't, uh, projects can't talk about at the moment, but that's the mm-hmm. main one that I'm working on right now. I'm looking forward to uh, getting that out to folks uh, at the beginning of next year. Well, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it myself. So once again, uh, thank you very much for your insight. Um, today's guest is Chris Jenkins. Uh, the producer of the YouTube original documentary, Trapped, Cash Bail in America. And before we go, I'll leave you with this. Even if we mind our own business, keep our affairs in order, and keep our noses clean, we could still find ourselves exposed to the cash bail system. A story from NBCnews.com shows us how this issue can make its way to our door. An Alabama woman named Jakari Letchaw had a pregnant dog that ended up giving birth at her neighbor's house. After going to retrieve her dog and puppies, a disagreement ensued regarding who the rightful owner of the dog and puppies was. Ms. Letchaw walked away only to be arrested later, jailed, and have her bail set at $60,000. Since she couldn't afford it, she lost her job and nearly lost her house all before she was able to even have her guilt or innocence determined. This is a community issue that requires a community approach. The good news is that we are a strong, resilient, and informed community. And with the resources and tactics we've discussed today, we can all push toward bail reform that works well for everyone. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Follow us on all social media at Our Daily Story. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on Our Daily Story. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.